this season. The stage is set for the fight of our lives. There will be winners. There will be losers. There will be champions. For real-time action, Vegas odds, your favorite games, and the fastest payouts guaranteed, get in the game with my bookie. Hello? You play to win the game. Put your hands up. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. I said hello. Hello? hello. You play to win. I said, put your hands up. Why not? Put your hands up. Let's go to work. You gotta play like your hair's on fire. Especially if you're someone who's like, I want to do get really high and go to a theater to see like a crazy like movie. I, I, I could see people being in, like into it. And as a general movie too, even without that, it, it, I think it, it it works it it works well to where if you, especially if you go to a theater, you'll you'll watch it. So uh, yeah, I think it's gonna. I think there's. There, there's new hope for it, and I think it'll at least end up in theaters or something. Uh, the last movie I went to really high was Saw. <laughs> that's, that's not a good experience, I don't think. No, I was sucked. That, and we got there you, late, and I had to sit front row. It was it was terrible. If you maybe like maybe a list of the worst movies to get, see while high, that might be the number one movie. It's super stressful. Uh it's super paranoid. Like it makes you think that like, I think, I feel like I remember it's like a lot of people who are just going about their day and then they wake up and they're in that fucking room. And then it's super violent and gross. All right, man. Speaking of drugs, did you see the, um, Arizona state, uh, crowd go crazy when, uh, they reset the clock to four twenty? I, I didn't, I did. I'll let you listen. Please reset the clock to four twenty. <laughs> four twenty. <laughs> that's a good intro that's a good intro so obviously perfect that oregon one of the most 420 friendly programs in america is at arizona state they're getting upset the refs reset the clock to 420 weed number drug number arizona state good party school one of the best in the country could Jack? Is there a better matchup of two more four twenty friendly schools than Arizona State and Oregon? That, there can't be in major college football. Uh, no. So we see Oregon get beat by Herm Edwards on the road. Their college football dreams are done. The College football playoff hopes for the Pac-12 now rest solely on Utah, and they are on life support, man. So the number of Pac-12 playoff contenders is now to one uh, after what happened in Tempe, and the Ducks had a wider path to the playoff than Utah because of the Auburn game, and uh, they had that win over USC. Uh, But now because of Utah's soft non-conference schedule and their lack of quality wins and their loss to USC. The Utes really need kind of lightning to strike uh, to earn them a berth into the college football playoff. I think that we can probably expect them not to get that bit. No, I think they would need – I think Oregon was even kind of a stretch, but I think Utah really needs help. I mean because their one loss – uh, is not a great loss. And then people, I noticed on 
Twitter, it seems like a lot of Pac-12 people kind of like uh, make excuses for our our teams that they're not really giving being fair to some of the other teams. Like, I mean, Oklahoma, people are like, Oklahoma hasn't played anybody, but like you go, I'm like, yeah, they kind of haven't. But if you look at Oklahoma's schedule, you're like, they haven't really done anything or not done anything that I feel like Oregon or Utah, especially Utah, hasn't done. Um, and then, yeah, the SEC, the same thing. I mean, you can say, oh, Alabama hasn't beaten anybody, but uh, I mean, they won at Texas A&M. And when you looked at Oregon and Utah, we were like, well, their best wins were uh, like at Washington, who is, that's not even a, that's not like a better win than that. And then, you know, their losses aren't as bad. So I, I, I hope for it. And I think there's ways for it to happen. But I really doubt without weird stuff happening are the committee really, you know, deciding that they're going to not give Alabama the benefit of the doubt for not winning their division and having two up injured. I really doubt Utah gets in, but I hope they do. Yeah. I mean, at best the Utes will be, they'll face a two loss Oregon team in the Pac-12 championship. And, you know, even as a 12 and one potential champion, they probably get nudged out of the top four. Yeah, and Oklahoma, I think they're going to – so if Oklahoma went, ends with one loss, they're going to have them beaten a one-loss Baylor team again. Uh, and then that would be – they would be Baylor's only losses. Uh, you start looking at Alabama and Georgia and how they could end with one loss. I mean – then Utah also has to get through Oregon, which is not uh, which is not an automatic thing either. Uh, that'll help their really help their help their resume if they're able to. But I mean, you look at those two teams, and I, I feel like they're pretty evenly matched. So uh, it's also not a given that Utah is going to beat Oregon. So Mario Cristobal loses to Herm Edwards. He might have been drowning his sorrows listening to cold November rain, but he better start listening to civil war. Uh, More on that in a moment. But what we've got here is failure to communicate. And Jack, do you know how I know that Mario Cristobal's favorite band is GNR? They did that survey thing. Yes, it's because uh, of Brett McMurphy's, Survey and and while I speak of Brett Murphy, Brett McMurphy, who has a hot name, other hot names, Mackenzie Milton, <laughs> UCF, coming back in 2020, had a horrible leg injury. We wish him the best. Madison Bumgarner, who once dated a girl named Madison Bumgarner, same teammate as Evan Longoria, both playing in San Francisco for the Giants. Anyway, it, you do you have a comment on on men with hot names? Who I just went through. Uh, yeah. What would you take, Henry Ruggs or Jalen Waddle? <laughs> Those are t- not hot names. I, I was just trying to think of. Uh, I was trying to think of bad names because uh, I couldn't think of any good ones, and I thought of two guys on the same team that have like comically just like names that make you think of someone who's really ugly. Those are awful. So anyway, Brett McMurphy <laughs> he tracked down the favorite musical acts for each. College football head coach, all 130 of them. And the top vote getter was country star Kenny Chesney. Maybe no surprise there. Now, let's go over the top four here. We have Nick Saban, who uh, his favorite uh, is the Eagles. 
Coach O, Ed Ogeron, no surprise here. Creedence Clearwater Revival, because there's that electric video. Fellas, head over to my Twitter. You, you see, in, this is a very apropos tweet where I said, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, this is how you're walking out to your high school, uh, your, your, your hometown bar. Ed Ogeron walk, doing the Tiger Walk to Born on the Bayou is one of the most electric videos you'll ever see. Make sure you check that out. Uh, Sticking in the SEC, Kirby Smart with Georgia. He goes with Luke Bryan. That's stupid. Will Muschamp. uh, Props to Will Muschamp. South Carolina goes with Hootie Hootie and the Blowfish. South Carolina legends. Uh, uh, Going to the Big 12 real quick, Jack. Mike Gundy. He... I, I love this pick, and, and of course, Mike Gundy with a with a with a big time mullet. You're like, what is this guy going to pick? You you assume he's going to go with something real country. You have a guess with what Mike Gundy went with? Uh, Nitty gritty dirt band. No, he went with Prince, <laughs> which I, mean, I love. I, I'm a huge Prince guy, but. Oklahoma State football coach going with something non-Garth Brooks is problematic. Bold, bold. Uh, Can I stop you for one second, though? Yeah. I pulled out my Phil Steele to try to look at names, and I was only looking at quarterbacks. And I think the Big 12 uh, has some ones that uh, might might tickle your fancy. Oh, these are uh, quarterbacks with hot names? Yeah, I just want to know. I, I found like a, a, a random run that I think might work. Yeah, Are you go. ready? Let's go. Brock Purdy, Iowa State uh, quarterback. Yeah, but that's a Brock is a dude's name. You can go. I can see that going either way. Okay. Purdy. Uh, uh, let's, we got Kansas State, Skylar Thompson. Hot. I, you'll like this one. West Virginia, Austin Kendall. Give me. <laughs> uh, not Kansas. That's Thomas Thomas McVitie. That's very bad. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just well. You know, hey, I'll, hold up. Going back to that name though, because like I've seen a big trend in girls' names being starting with Mac, like yeah. Mackenzie or Michaela or what. So if you go with what's the guy's last name? Uh, Mac. I'll, I'll look it up. Mac McVitie. If you go McVitie Thomas, I'm proposing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. I, I support it. Speaking of hot names, what about Lincoln Riley? That That's a good one. Riley yeah, Lincoln is a babe. <laughs> I got one that's not good for you. Gage Gabrud. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> but double G's. <laughs> pretty better. good pretty right, good pretty good but yeah anyway uh lincoln riley jack this is this this is close to you to you your heart brother because he is uh his favorite band is red hot chili peppers you know uh i, I wouldn't have guessed that but that's a pretty safe if you grew up in a certain era that's a pretty safe bet problematic mike bobo of colorado state goes with michael jackson it's a bold thing to say in 2019, but cancel uh, culture. So one thing that I was shocked to see, 
that like okay, not surprising that Kenny Chesney is the number one uh, thing about about uh, for college coaches. The <laughs> the Rolling Stones and Bruce Springsteen were both multiple selections, and so was Creedence. The other one with multiple selections was Phil Vassar. Phil Vassar? Yeah. <laughs> I, I always thought, the only thing I ever thought about Phil Vassar, it was that he was a guy who sounds like he would be part of the male reproductive system. <laughs> His name sounds like part of the male reproductive system. <laughs> Phil Vassar. Phil Vassar has an electric song though. Uh, okay. Have you heard uh, Six Pack Summer? With Google Ads, experts help you for free. Get started today. Is oh, that you? It starts with a fucking Up, shut down, baby. It was pitiful. Anyhow, it's over now. We owe it. Just real quick, someone made this homemade video, and the image that they put up is of a beach, and it says Carolina Beach Music. So just picture yourself on the Carolina Beach. To ourselves. NASCAR. Now the green flag's waving. Summer Sing to me, babe. Be your Okay. I get why Phil Vassar is Paul Christ of Wisconsin and Lance Leopold of Buffalo. No no arguments there, fellas. Go with Phil Vassar. That's an electric cut. Uh, do you want to get into the Pac-12 favorite song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Commissioner Larry Scott goes with the Stones, Kevin Sumlin, Arizona, Drake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Herm Edwards, Arizona State, Norman Brown. <laughs> I don't – I'm ashamed I don't know any Norman Brown songs off the top of my head. I assume that that is a huge throwback Motown guy. I have no idea who that is. Justin Wilcox Cal goes with the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Mel Tucker, Colorado, very hip, modern, goes Jay-Z. As I mentioned, Mario Cristobal, Guns N' Roses, Jonathan Smith for the Beebs. He goes Eric Church, kind of douchey. David Shaw, Stanford, goes Sade. That is – that's upsetting. (laughs) Sade, man. That that's literally upsetting. That, unless he's like trolling, that that is so so bizarre. <laughs> well, Sade does smooth operator though. Yeah, uh, yeah, good, good, uh, good for that. That's a ver- is, is she, does she need the original? <laughs> did, is, did she write smooth operator? I don't think she did, but if she did, I support. 
Like, <laughs> you, you write smooth operator, you get a free pass for whatever you do the rest of your career. I think she did. That's one of that might be a top ten song for me. Okay, I wouldn't have guessed that, but uh all right. Chip Kelly, fuck you, Chip Kelly. He picks Mumford <laughs> and, he picks Mumford and Sons. I mean, you know what the best part of that is though? No. There was no bigger band in America in like two thousand ten or two thousand eleven than them. So he is obviously maybe try and they fell off the face of the earth kind of like shortly after. Like no one else is also had like been more popular for like a year and a half and then never heard from again. Uh, so it, maybe he's just, you know, he's trying to relive those glory years. All right. Well, you'll have to, re- I, I, I must've been blacked out those years where Mumford and Sons was the most popular band in America. Give me a damn break. Hey, it speaking was- of that, Clay Helton, SC Trojan fans, get the pitchforks, get the torches, his favorite singer is Ed Sheeran. Fire. <laughs> At least he didn't say Jars of Clay. I, I could, I literally, maybe he said Jars of Clay and the PR, PR, <laughs> PR, the PR person was like, dude, don't take that back. Don't they're say like, Jars of Clay. And he's like, just like, so there's like Google, like most popular song. In yeah. <laughs> they're just like, I don't know. Like what's that song I heard in the radio? Like the other day, like there's something about, out like uh yeah like you're perfect or something yeah that guy sure whatever i don't care i mean it's not you know <laughs> charge of clay i don't know are you saying that because his name is clay <laughs> no i'm saying that because i think he is very i think he's very religious and i mean i i feel like he just seems like the kind of guy who would get down with jars of clay speaking of very religious Kyle Whittingham, Utah, goes Rolling Stones. Very cool. Respectable pick. Chris Peterson, Washington, CCR. Mike Leach, I mean, the most interesting coach in America. Where do you think he's going? Grateful Dead. Close. He goes Neil Young. Yeah. Uh, So we'll get into Chris Peterson versus Mike Leach in the Apple Cup. This is Rivalry Week. This is the Rivalry Week preview podcast episode but before that jack thanksgiving this, this is a week to be thankful dude and, and hey man it, you know i, and I know that the, that the podcast took a couple weeks hiatus but dude i'm thankful for you brother thankful for me yeah i believe you had a comment last year on a picture on thanksgiving of me that said thankful spelled t-h-a-n-k-f-o-l-l i thought it was i thought it was fairly clever <laughs> you know that's 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 the heat that I bring to to Facebook comments, man. <laughs> I, made, I made a career out of it, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, that was a good one. I I, I respect that. So a, a, a brief story because I, I'm going to your um, in-laws' place for Thanksgiving here. I, I went back to 
Washington a few weeks ago for a, a preemptive uh, family reunion for a different occasion, but we celebrated Thanksgiving a little bit early. So I'm staying in Los Angeles for this year's Thanksgiving. Jack, you were gracious enough to invite me to your family, your your adopted families, your your married families Thanksgiving feast. I'm very much looking forward to it. I appreciate the invite. Thank you very much. You got it. So a brief story about uh, the only other time when I had to attend a girlfriend's family's Thanksgiving. So so this is this was in New York. Uh, you know, I would take the, the family lived upstate New York. It was her like cousin's family. And you would take Metro North from Grand Central Station. And thankfully, they sold beer at Grand Central. And before you got on the train, I would always get two big ass cans of Fosters. And by the time I got to the family's house, I would be properly wasted. And it was awesome. Okay. So, so well, I'm is that saying, the story? <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm going to do that when I'm going to visit your in-laws, but maybe you can help me get a sense of what I might be in store for. So, so I, I turkey, correct? I assume, yeah. Are we going deep fried, sous vide, pan roasted? What, I, what, how does, how does I it I have no clue. I don't know about sous. I'm sure it's not sous vide. <laughs> But I, I cannot I cannot confirm on any of that. Uh, what about desserts, man? What's on the menu? You know, like, I, I don't this, know. This I, the, I, I it's all a mystery to me. Like you're no, you're, you're is, gonna have to find out. Just like I'm gonna have to find. Why out. Why is it a mystery to you? I assume you've done a Thanksgiving or two with these folks. I don't do like a scouting report. No, it's, uh, I think it's been like one, and yeah, it's uh, it's been a couple different formats too. So it, it it's uh, it changes. This is Mel Kuyper season. He's a man who eats pumpkin pie every single day of the year. Psychotic. So it, there, there'll be pumpkin pie, I would say. Yeah, yeah, you can probably bank on that. Yeah. Or alcohol? What are you? Are you doing like a? Yeah. Pic, are you doing a picture of dark and stormies? What's give me the, a picture of dark and stormies? I don't know. Probably, probably some wine. Probably some, uh, maybe some, you know, uh, select cocktails or a beer what? or two. I feel like maybe an ale, maybe some what? peanut butter ale that you've been talking about. Maybe what? a, you know, a pumpkin pie ale. Maybe what? a Mel Kiper, Mel Kiper Junior psychotic ale. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am drinking a um, peanut butter stout, and Jack was, uh, before we hit record, he was giving me a lot of hell about enjoying myself a, a nice uh, Belgian beer peanut butter stout. It's fantastic. Yeah. Pick, you can pick it up all over the West. Um, so, Jack, I, I, I like to strategize before I go into a Thanksgiving scenario. Okay. You know, I'm like a, I'm like a football coach, man. If you don't go in with a game plan, what are you doing? You know, so I, I think I've crafted the perfect Thanksgiving uh, approach. So the first step is you gather your turkey onto your plate, right? This is the first thing that you're going to go onto your plate. I'm personally big dark meat guy. I think an alpha move is to get one of the legs because that says to everybody else, you know, if someone else chooses to get a leg, I know that that's the person that I've got to fight later. You're not gonna get. You've never been in a fight in your life. Let's let's be honest about that. So, so, so uh, I get the leg. I get the big leg. That's an alpha move. Um, but you want to not 
overdo it on the turkey, but I don't have a problem with that because I'm usually the only person that does dark meat. So from this point is where you need to get really strategic. Okay. Yeah. So you've got your turkey on the plate. Now you need to pick three, but no more than three of these other Thanksgiving staples. Mashed potatoes, stuffing, cranberry sauce, sweet potatoes, or green bean casserole. Okay? So you okay. pick three of those. You know, my, my family knows Dale and Sue's. Mom and Dad, love you. Shout out. They know I'm a big three guy. I'm a potatoes, cranberry sauce, stuffing guy, uh, in addition to the turkey, okay? So that's probably okay. where I'm going. I'm kind of starting to wish this story was as short as the one about the fosters on the train. So then you're going to want to <laughs> drown it all in gravy. And then the key here is to eat quickly because – you want to – you've heard the thing where your body can only react to being full after 20 minutes. So you, yeah. it, like that's the Joey Chestnut rule. You want to eat as much as you can before your you know, millions of years of biological mechanisms kick in and, and tell you that you're full and then it becomes much more difficult. So you want to eat fast, OK? Mm-hmm. That reminds me of kind of, a, of when I, I went to – a. Uh, Mother's Day brunch, and I I did an eating contest with my brother and annihilated like a gigantic <laughs> plate. Uh, and my mom was absolutely disgusted. So apologies to your uh, in laws in advance, but I'm going to house that first plate, okay? Okay. So then, after you finish that, you want to get back, get a second helping before those those biological uh, kind of instincts kick in, and then you're going to want to take a break and watch some football, okay? And then at that point, after watching a couple quarters of terrible NFC football, you'll be ready for a couple slices of pie. Okay. Okay. And and shout out, you know, I know we talked, we've talked a lot about Thanksgiving food. That's great. Shout out to the sweet potatoes, a decade of absolute dominance over the deviled eggs. That's neither here nor there, but moose, you're the group. You're the best fucking leader that there ever was for the sweet potatoes. Sorry for kicking your ass, Joey Moore, and all of those other jabronis, including the McCarts, who always ended up on the deviled eggs. <laughs> all right. Okay. Quickly, Jack, I just want to get – rank your uh, top Thanksgiving foods because I've given you my strategy for attacking Thanksgiving dinner. I feel like we've already had this conversation. I'm not that big on Thanksgiving food. You're not big on Thanksgiving food and your number one pick was gravy. <laughs> Well, maybe that's because I foresaw my dad nicknamed you Gravy briefly this summer. What? <laughs> I think it only lasted a night. It didn't catch on. I don't think you were even aware that it was a nickname that was given to you. I'm into it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I think if you told you told us about uh, the new gig at the brewery and that you were, you know, working, you were still also picking up some, you know, bartending work because why not? It was, you know, extra cash to, just, you know, throw around and it was gravy. So he, uh, he, he, he coined you gravy. I mean, if we want to pick that back up, I'm cool with it. <laughs> I've tried to give myself a few nicknames, which I know is not good and you can't do it. Um, I, I attempted it at one point to call myself the breeze, which I thought nah. was pretty cool. 
Uh, you never went with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty much just dub. dub. Yeah. Uh, I've given you some good nicknames over the years. Jack Daniels. <laughs> Daniel. Shortened to just Daniels, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Why didn't that stick? I don't know. All right. Too old, probably, yeah. Anyway, turkey gravy and, and mashed potatoes is one of the best uh, school lunches at Sudbury. <laughs> I support it. Shout out. Hey, Jack, let's get to the games, brother. We've got yeah, rivalry yeah. week, man. So uh, let's start with uh, some non-rivalry uh, games or, or pseudo-rivalry games. Cal at UCLA. The Bruins are one-point favorites. This is a pick at the Rose Bowl. Who you got? I'll go UCLA because it's at home. I think Cal's going to have a little bit of a, a letdown since they finally broke through against Stanford and have to go on the road and play, you know, a game that is kind of meaningless. And I guess UCLA has nothing to play for, but I mean, yeah, I guess I'll go UCLA, but that's not some very strange game. Yeah. UCLA gets smacked last week in the Coliseum in the most gorgeous College football game uh, ever played, as we know, it, it is every year, and it just keeps getting better as HD TVs keep getting better when they're both wearing those home uniforms on the perfect grass here in Southern California. Beautiful, yeah. I was there last week, yeah. Oh, how was that? It was good. I've been to that game a couple times. Uh, it was, you know, it was back and forth, high scoring. Uh, until USC pulled away late, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a good matchup usually. Colorado at Utah. This is a fake rivalry game by the two newest members of the Pac-12. The altitude – do they have a name for this game yet? I think it's the Rocky Mountain Showdown, but I don't think it's ever caught on. Uh, I don't, so. See, I'm a big uh, rivalry nickname guy. And I, I forget that every year. So I, I think that goes to show how much that's caught on. I mean, there's some other ones. Like, I think the uh, – what is the USC-UCLA one? That's, I, that's the Crosstown Showdown. Yeah, I think it's like the Liberty Bell or something. Like, oh, it, yeah, they play it, for the Bell. It's another one that's not nearly as like for a pretty decent rivalry. It just never caught on. Victory Bell, yeah, it's not – it does not catch on the way the other ones have. Yeah. Anyway, Utah, still an outside chance to get into the college football playoff. They're 28-and-a-half-point favorites coming uh, playing a, a Buffs team that, that beat uh, a Washington team uh, easily. So what happens here? Yeah, I don't, I don't think – I don't think Colorado has got much of a shot here. I think especially Utah knowing the stakes. Uh, the one thing I would watch for is Utah not covering that. I feel like if you're Utah and you get up, uh, you get up by two scores or something, you you kind of try to get that one. You know, you try to get to the barn knowing that I think six days later you're going to have to play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. So I think that's an easy win for Utah, but I, I would not be shocked if they only win up winning by you know 10 or 14 because they just want to get out of there with a win and go home that one's in salt lake city but man you're right i really like colorado to cover that 28 and a half that is a gigantic spread for this ball game 
Um, yeah, Colorado, yeah, Colorado hasn't been. I mean, the last three weeks they've won two games. Granted, at home against the two programs from the north who make zero sense while they're having such a bad year. But yeah, yeah, I, I think they can cover that. Mel Tucker's not going to let his team have a big letdown. I think they're going to play. I think they're especially because I, I think Utah. It's a bit of a trap game because. You wouldn't even blame Utah. It would probably be it is good coaching to almost overlook this game because you do not want to shoot yourself, especially on a short week and having to travel to Santa Clara to play a pissed off Ducks team. You do not want to, you know, get into a dogfight here. So sometimes that's a lot of times that's when it happens. So watch out. Well, if there's any coach in America that I trust to get him get his team prepared, I mean, Kyle Whittingham is is kind of a guy that. Uh, you know, you, you kind of trust the process with, with Coach Whittingham. Yeah, Colorado also playing for a bowl game, too. So that's another factor. Uh, they have a lot to play for as far as their goals go. So it's and it's that or bust. If they lose, they're not going. If they win, they're going to a bowl. From the Rocky Mountain Showdown to the Territorial Cup, we say it every year, this is the oldest trophy in college football. Unbelievable. Arizona at Arizona State. This one's in Tempe, and the Sun Devils are 14-point favorites coming off a huge win over a top-six team in Oregon. Uh, You expect Herm Edwards to probably keep this one rolling against a hapless Arizona team who benched Khalil Tate on senior night. Yeah, uh, looking at the game, there's no reason to think that Arizona State shouldn't roll here, especially Arizona has nothing to play for. They... uh, and they're not at home, so it's not like even senior night. Um, the only thing that made me think that Arizona has a shot, just because I feel like this rivalry is super, super even and super back and forth. And uh, I think if you look back at recent history, you know, no one really dominates this series at all. And uh, Arizona State got a big win, but you got to remember they lost four games in a row before that. They're not exactly a you know a powerhouse team, so. Uh, and they could have a letdown. So uh, I still I think Arizona State wins, but I think it might be closer than you think. Some Devils football players might be still a little hungover <laughs> from the celebration after beating the Ducks last week. Hey, speaking of the Ducks, Oregon State at Oregon, the Civil War. Ducks are 19-point favorites. This one is in Autzen. Do the Ducks feel a little pissed off and, and take it out on their rivals, uh, the Orange and Black, the Beavs? Or uh, is their will kind of broken now that they've got no shot at the college football playoff, even though uh, the Rose Bowl right there, if they can just take care of business uh, the next two games. There's also the added incentive uh, maybe for Oregon, but but more so probably for Oregon State. They need one more win to be bowl eligible for the first time in forever. Yeah, I don't think with Oregon, there's still a lot to play for. I mean, a Rose Bowl – uh, even I don't think you're thinking of it this much, but even a win here puts them in a good spot that if they lose, they lost the Pac-12 championship game, they still land maybe in a, in like the Cotton Bowl. But if they lose here, that that's out the window. Uh, I think the Ducks come back pissed off at home and hammer the the Beavers. They've been pretty hard on the Beavers the last couple Whoa, of years. Oh, this is a this is a family program. What's that? Oh, okay. <laughs> 
They uh they beat the Beavers sixty nine hey. sixty nine to ten in two thousand seventeen and they beat them fifty five to fifteen last year. So I think I think Oregon should roll in this one. Uh the only thing, yeah, giving hope to me for the Beavers is uh I, I do think Oregon has a lot of flaws for a team that's you know, has such a good record and the Beavers are dangerous and they're playing for a bowl. But I think a focused Ducks team is going to be able to get out of this one pretty fairly easily at home. So this is the Mel Kuyper episode because we're talking about pumpkin pie. And while we're on it, let's talk about Mel's big board and Justin Herbert. Did he do himself a disservice last week looking shitty against Arizona State? Probably the worst game he's played in his career. And a lot of people were saying his mechanics weren't even good, and he certainly did not look like a first-round pick. Uh, is Herbert like still a viable first-round NFL pick? I, I, I don't think – I mean, obviously that was an extra bad game, but I just don't think he's done much overall. I think a lot of people who watch a lot of Pac-12 football, I think he's kind of like maybe a Mitch Trubisky where like – as Pac-12 fans, we were kind of like, "Yeah, I'm sure this guy. I assume this guy's pretty good." You know, scouts are he's scouts are talking about him. He's he's high in these mock drafts, but then if you actually watched him, you're like, uh, like with Justin Herbert, you're like, this guy just throws a bunch of screen passes, and he's tall, but he's not as mobile as he seems. He gets sacked a lot for a guy who's supposed to be pretty mobile. And then, you know, he just didn't really have defining moments or throw the ball downfield, kind of in tough spots very often. And I think it kind of showed against Arizona state that he kind of looked like what I think a lot of PAC 12 people thought he was. And he's a guy who is all right. If he doesn't have to really do too much and he's a tall guy with a good arm who could be accurate, but I I'd be very shocked if whoever drafts him GM and or coach does not end up getting fired. <laughs> down the road in the nfl because and to be fair so i'm not just homering uh you know like pining hate him because he's an oregon uh oregon quarterback i mean i think jacob eason is equally like i see him in the first round mocks and it's just like what gm or coach is making these decisions on these two quarterbacks that just are not nothing about them looks like nfl ready and a guy who's really going to doing even much that much in college well and that, i'm glad you said that because i was going to give you the opportunity to uh, apologize to me uh, <laughs> and and go ahead and, and give me props for being a, a prognosticator of at the highest level uh saying from day one that skinny easton was trash to be fair to to him i i think he has underwhelmed and i think he actually looked uh, pretty good for most of the first half of the season, but he's completely fallen apart. And I think Chris Peterson's offense has some horrific is an absolute dumpster fire. And it, it seems like, I mean, every quarterback, uh, Jacob Eason and uh, Jake Browning are very different quarterbacks, but he seems to have turned into Jake Browning. He takes weird, really bad long sacks. He, he seems like he can't make a decision. Uh, and he just seems lost. And it, to me, it seems like there, there's something going on with Chris Peterson's offense at that program that just does not work for quarterbacks. Uh, though I would say Jacob Eason overall, I, he is not showing out well either. and seems like a guy who probably would benefit from 
at least getting a, another year of college. But I mean, if he has to come back to that offense, I don't really know what what, what's that gonna, what that would do. Russell Pac-12 fans, we're obviously talking about the Washington quarterback, and, and we'll get into the Washington Washington State the Apple Cup preview, which uh, to Jack and I is is exceptionally close to our hearts. Jack, if you were evaluating UW, I think objectively, uh, and you looked at these last, at least the last handful of games, you would almost assume that Chris Peterson's background was in defense. But coming out of Boise State, his MO was being an offensive savant, or at least an innovator. Uh, And instead, they're playing conservative to the point where it's predictable and downright bad and losing them games. So I don't think that anybody, and we talked about this earlier, that it was kind of silly to be calling for Chris Peterson's job, but clearly something has to change. And if you were a consultant coming into uh, give a perspective on the Washington football program, what would you suggest changing? I think they have to simplify their scheme. I mean, I'm not a good enough X's and O's guys to really go too deep into it, but I do know uh, there's a huge stat they just casually mentioned during the Colorado-Washington game that I didn't know that Washington leads the country uh, in offensive penalties, which and they're uh, with a veteran offensive line, uh, veteran receiver group, tight end group, uh, you know, running back group. But Easton's the only guy who's new, kind of really. That's insanity. Which to me, which I've heard, is that they have a lot of pre-snap motion and uh, a lot of complexity to their offense, uh, other than just letting the guys go out, kind of play and make plays. And going to that of making it seem like it might be a Chris Peterson thing too is that. Uh, everyone who follows Washington hated Jonathan Smith and wanted Jonathan Smith fired. Jonathan Smith goes to Oregon State and he he takes a bunch of guys who uh, Washington would not talent Washington would never offer, and he has them scoring you know thirty five on Ohio State in his opening game and putting up fifty points on people every week. I mean their their defense is not good, but. So obviously it was not Jonathan Smith that was making off Washington's offensive stru- offense struggle. I think they – the only time they showed some success really was in 2016 uh, when they did have John Ross and Dante Pettis. Uh, but they also had Jeff Tedford as a consultant. So maybe having kind of like another veteran guy who uh, you know, maybe Chris Peterson has to listen to a little bit more uh, – would help. And I think whether or not you hire him as your full-time offensive coordinator, you know, not, not literally Jeff Tedford, but well, Tedford a veteran, only, a veteran. Uh, since yeah. Tedford has left, he's only proven to be successful. I, that's what I'm saying with him and Jonathan Smith. It, it seems to be a thing that it, it seems like, it seems like a Washington Chris Peterson thing and not necessarily uh, a coordinator thing or even a quarterback Thing. I mean, I think Jake Browning was limited and had flaws, but he also regressed a lot as as he stayed at Washington. And to me, that seems like uh, that's on your coaching staff for not finding a way in three to four years how to maximize a guy's abilities and uh, make it easy for him. And you throw in Jacob Eason, who has all the talent in the world, and he looks like a guy who's just kind of lost out there and uh, I, I think he needs to make a massive massive overhaul of that or if they come out and have a year like this next year the fire Chris Peterson uh, 
thing will not be a conspiracy. It'll be something that will have to be a reality. All right, so we'll, we'll talk about next season. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but right now we've got one more game left on the season. Washington State, if you remember, mid-October, it was a disaster. The Cougars dropped three in a row. Defensive coordinator Tracy Clays is basically drummed out of the program, walks away. Everything looked ready to implode, and since then the Cougs have won three of five, hauled themselves back to a postseason for the fifth consecutive year, the first time in program history. 54 to 53 victory over Oregon State last week. In a lot of people's estimation, the Pac 12 game of the year, high stakes for both teams, bull berths on the line, huge momentum swings, thrilling finish. Cougs won on Max Borgie's touchdown with two seconds left. It was a walk off win. One of the most thrilling things you can happen in, in college football. Oregon State is going to miss out on a bull berth if they lose to the Ducks, but that's uh, that's for the Civil War. Washington, on the other hand, has uh, one, two, three, four, five losses. Who would have thought that coming into the season? A stunning total. Uh, and we, even though uh, we may not have expected them to be a, a playoff contender, we didn't expect five or six losses from the Dogs. So, uh, you know, what stands out most in, in, in this nature of defeats is that they were favorites in all of these games that they lost. And they're going to be favorites again in the Apple Cup. And it started at eight. It's now down to seven. I think that's probably where it'll stay. Uh, Max Borgie, the hero from last week, when he was asked to predict a score for the Apple Cup, he, he, didn't, he declined to give one, but he said, I will be scoring a lot. And then he walked out of the room, electric uh, commentary from the hero of the game. Jack, do you believe Max Borgie to be correct? Do you believe that the Cougs have it in them for the first time? I think it's been five years in a row since they've won an Apple Cup. Uh, I mean, 2012 was the last one they won. So what yes. is that? Like seven. Seven. And it's been a while. But I mean, it certainly feels like it, though. It certainly has feel, felt like it for like the last four years, and it hasn't even been close. But this is obviously a very different Washington team, even though uh, Washington seems to have turned the tables on the Cougs in that the joke used to be that the Cougs would, you know, mail it in for the whole season and then get up for the Apple Cup, where the Huskies have kind of, in recent years, they've struggled down the stretch, and all of a sudden the Apple Cup, they show up and they're, you know, invincible. So uh, those things all trend towards Washington, you know, showing up here, especially being at home. But the matchup really favors the Cougars, in my opinion. Uh, The Huskies don't have a guy like Miles Gaskin who can kind of control the game on the ground and keep the ball away from their offense. Uh, they don't have the secondary they've had in recent years and they don't have, uh, especially if you look at Borgie who makes his, makes his, makes his living in the flats. Washington is terrible in the flats. I mean, uh, they're God awful. Uh, they're in their inside linebackers and their linebacker outside linebackers are some of the worst I've seen at a, you know, at a, a pretty good Pac-12 program in a long time. And when you watch them play Oregon, they pretty much lost the game on completely almost on screen passes and guys coming out of the backfield. So uh, Max Borgie, that that's where he lives. And Ben Burkirvin's not there to kind of shut that down. I, as a Coug fan, I like what I'm hearing, but I, I've heard the same thing from you for 
last three seasons. <laughs> I did not say it that specific. I mean, I think but you it could, always you always hedge your bets. I, I I do, but I mean, this year I would be pretty shocked. I mean, especially look at the recent. Everyone kind of trashes WSU's defense, but. I mean, they held Stanford to 22. Stanford really, especially in offense, reminds me of the Huskies. Uh, they just are, don't have much going on. Uh, they hold Cal- Colorado to 10. Granted, these games were at home. Uh, and I think the Cougs, the Cougs are better than they got a little bit of credit for. I mean, I think uh, people didn't take me seriously, but earlier in the year I said if the Cougs wouldn't have lost Jalen Thompson, who was their best defensive player uh, from last year and a safety in a weird like thing where he got himself uh, ineligible for some benefit. Uh, the Cougs would probably only have two Pac-12 losses because I think there's a good chance they beat UCLA, Arizona State, and Oregon uh, if they have their best defensive player from last year. So I think the Cougs are a little bit more close to being a, the team they were last year than I think people realize. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that so many people put so much uh, credit in rightfully so on, on the Gardner Minshew. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the difference. But I think with them, a lot of the times they were pretty good with Luke Falk. Uh, I mean, they just. Uh, Who's they also have a, an NFL starting quarterback? I, I, I know. But I mean, uh, I don't think it's all just on. Uh, I think they. The Mike Leach system is pretty close to where if you can win close games, uh, they are going to be doing pretty well and competing for a Pac-12 championship. They just haven't won close games this year. I mean, you look at their close games against UCLA, ASU, Oregon, uh, Oregon State. They just only pulled out Oregon State. You know what I mean? It's like uh, you could easily – you could chop it up in different ways, but I mean – I feel like in recent years they've won a lot of those close games, and that's kind of been the difference. And this year they lost those close games. I'll correct myself. The Huskies obviously were not favored against the Ducks, but um, they've lost a lot of games this season in which they were favored. We'll see what happens. This one's on Montlake. Um, last time I was there, it was uh, pouring rain, and, and a Luke Falk-led uh, Cougar team got absolutely smoked, and that has been the tale of the tape for the last seven years at least. And, um, you know, Jack, I'm, I'm just, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying not to get my, my hopes up. I think that's the way to do it. I mean, I think that you want to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, but that's what this, this, this Cougs, and that's, that's been the MO for the entire existence of this program is, they're going to be the Huskies when it really doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, it would be very bittersweet if this is the one that they, you know, after all these recent ones where there's been so much on the line for them, and this is the one that they managed to win because, uh, like, it pushes Washington to six and six, you know, and it, the Cougs pushes them to seven and five. The Cougs will punch know. their ticket to the Vegas Bowl, which we should go, man. Let's road trip out there. Yeah, I think they. Uh, I think if they win, the Cougs could go as high as the Holiday Bowl, uh, which but would that, also that may prom- require a, uh, a a Utah uh, playoff berth. Uh, Utah playoff berth are are uh, Colorado are not Colorado Oregon uh, getting to the Cotton Bowl, which uh, has a good chance, especially given 
uh, Oregon's known for traveling well. Though I guess they already did play in Dallas this year, so maybe uh, they wouldn't want to invite them knowing that people might not go twice. So, uh, yeah, they go high as the Red Box Bowl then if that doesn't happen. So, yes. All right. Well, I'll be there. Yes. Uh, what are you doing for the upgrade? <laughs> Uh, be at home, having some chili, having some family over. Uh, you, I believe, I extended you an invite, so uh, you can either show up or or, or not show up. What I, don't, fa- I don't care. What family? What's that? What family? Uh, you know the the Juggalo family. No, uh, you know the the, <laughs> the LA family. <laughs> the in laws. Uh, well, we're doing Thanksgiving with them the night before. Yeah, but you know, it just it's, carries uh, over. It carries over. You right, know, so you're telling a, me not to embarrass myself at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're invited. You're invited. So uh, if you feel like doing that, uh, uh, you're welcome. Just don't. Uh, yeah, just just bring a, a slow cooker of hot apple cider. <laughs> hey, brother, you had me at chili. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll be chili. So be prepared. Say no more. I'll bring the uh, cornbread. All right. Yeah, you do that. That's a that's a nice combo. It is. There's already that's already planned. So oh, if you want to, yes. Well, uh, I'll bring the laxative, uh, not the laxative, but the antacids. Yeah, that would be that would be clutch. <laughs> All right, brother. I'll see you later this week. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.